This whole situation, it's horrible. The country's disintegrating. What's happened to America? What's happened to the American dream? It came true. You're looking at it. And we're back. Hey. Just like that, we're back. <laughs> right. Shit. What is that? That's my alarm. Uh, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am Lutho Freeman. And I'm Anthony Trevante, and welcome to episode seven. Yes. Of All Along the Watchmen. Um, we are one of three longest-running podcasts on the show. Has everyone else failed? Yeah, everyone else has kind of dropped off. Nice. I feel, um, I'm proud, most of all, that we're still here. Totally. This has been, like, the most committed. I've, maybe not the most committed I've been to something, but most nah. committed I've been to something. Yeah. <laughs> we said we wanted to do a podcast, and look at us. We're seven I, like, feel driven in. to finish the series, too. For like, sure. Even if I'm, like, we're going to make this happen, even if it, I'm in Guam. I find it interesting that um, well, along the same week that I found out, like, a lot of... People just, like, stop talking about it. Um, I also found out that the ratings are actually a concern for HBO. Really? Yeah. Are uh, they not getting the love they like, thought they would? No. Watchmen mm. is not catching a couple popular channels on YouTube. Uh, a couple ones that I uh, really like, I guess. Two out of five are the channels that I really like. And all five are saying, you know, it's on the dwindling side of, uh, uh, of the ratings. Interesting. I know yeah. they have a second season locked in. So that's good. Wonder if it's because the content's too heavy. I don't complain about that, but I've like thought about that. Mm. Is like, do it's not just like I don't know. People are like used to watching like floofy stuff. No, for sure. And it's like you know, like Game of Thrones was like, oh, you know, and it's like all the other stuff they do is just like, it's very <laughs> much outside of what has been known to become, I guess, um, of the HBO. Late night slots, mm-hmm. I feel like, because I feel like a lot of HBO shows um, are, here's some rich white people, here are their problems. You know what I mean? Like, there's, I think the in the same now? right of that, though, that provides people that, th- like, successions, basically. Succession. Succession. Yeah, that's but what I, I was thinking But it's about. like, people are like, that just gives them someone to easily hate. For sure. I think this show makes you question but it, it makes your... It, it makes it so, like, blindless <laughs> and, like... Just like not relevant to people's lives, I suppose. Like those type of shows. I really like Successions as yeah. a show. I think the I think the acting solid. I think the way they shoot it's interesting. They kind of shoot it like it's not like The Office in the sense where they break the wall, but they like move. It's all handheld and they like move. I like Successions a lot, but hmm. um, I, just, I I don't know. I just think. Or I'm theorizing maybe that like the ratings are tied into. This being outside of a form that makes people, I don't want to say, like, not think, but, like, something that's so, like, not relevant to anybody's yeah, life. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, even, unless, you're yeah. A, unless you're a rich person, part of a rich family, the main That episode gives you, like, a sense of dream. You know, the Card- I mean, the Kardashians kind of, not even a dream, but, like, the Kardashians created that, like, let's watch w- white rich people's problems. No, totally. Or just rich people's problems in yeah, general. Yeah, totally. But, um, yeah, I think... I think Watchmen's very real, so it. I don't know. People don't want to watch shit that makes them think. Totally, that much. makes you like kind of cringe in certain certain episodes. Um, it's gonna be off the what the whole topic of the podcast. But I was thinking, not the topic, but like I was thinking just about like kind of just like how soft the world has become, even from a, like a protest activism standpoint and stuff too. It's just like no one wants to really. Th- it's like even people who are like pro 
anything it's like they still don't want to think mm. it's like we're in this like culture that doesn't appreciate education i was thinking about this on like a whole deep thought about like i was reading about colleges or something this morning and it's like there is free education it's called the fucking internet right like 90 percent. i would maybe 80 i'll say just to be fair but like 80 to 90 percent of what i run my business on a, on a day-to-day from service to business i learned through a third-party source rather a book or a YouTube video, or like a course. I didn't For learn sure. it through an like. It, I don't think like Tri C was cool, but I think we learned more on the weekends with the cameras the at our house yeah, yeah, than we did on. from our teachers or anything. So it's like this whole. I made me realize that like the school issue. It's just like I know this doesn't work for everyone, but like don't go to school. Right. It's like you can learn. You can still be educated. You can like teach yourself to do these things. And it's like if we as the is we change the stat. It's oh, it led me to the thought. I guess not to ramble, but if we change the thought, if we change, we're not a, a culture who values education. For sure. So it's like the education system, even though it's broken, is like the easy path for people. And I think that just bled in. That's like a an equal part of like we don't want to watch things that, you know. I remember talking like uh. I forgot what podcast I was listening to, but the guy was talking about how his grandma was like, her heroes are like Ernest Hemingway, yeah, and like writers and authors, and it's right. like now it's like your heroes are usually like, you know, even rappers. It's like I mean, even someone like myself like looks not up to rappers, but you look at like the the culture that they have, and it's For like sure. it's a different thing. It's not not that they're not artists or anything. Well, but no, it's I like, think that has. I mean, the fact that I get what you're saying of like not looking up to like the 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 celebrities now but we are of a certain age bracket and i think like the younger kids truly do like look up to these people who don't real who don't live real lives you yeah know? just like a little like little zan or like that dude who's going to get killed by everyone because he ratted yeah totally it's like who are those people nobodies yeah it's like they're not <laughs> lead, they're not leading they're no. lead, the heroes of today are escape escape artists basically they're not creators totally i think it's changing right now Hopefully, um, Gary V was on Jimmy Fallon. I thought that was oh, pretty yeah. big, just for that, like to put someone of that kind of speak, right, 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 out there on that hard a primetime show. You know, and there's guys good. doing it. Who's that one pre pastor that's on? He's on the Breakfast Club every now and again. Ooh, he's that like bald, bigger set black dude. He's a bishop. I am not sure. He's a good dude too. I like him a lot. Huh. He's more like religiousy, so it's like, but he's he is interesting. Fuck, I can't remember his name. Them. Um, but yeah, yeah it's I mean, it's really interesting to hear um, that the ratings just aren't they aren't what the uh, the network was expecting, which is um, I guess with us doing the podcast and you know devoting so much like attention to the show, um, I don't think I even thought about the ratings like once because in my head it's like oh yeah well we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. People that I follow are talking about it. It must be doing well, but apparently it's not. Are the ratings, do you know, from, like, debut night or just in general? I think just in general. I would um, like to see how they're comparing. Did they say how they're comparing to, like, successions and stuff? No. I wonder um, how his dark mat. Uh, they did compare it to uh, uh, Thrones, and they brought up another show that HBO got some awards for. Uh, I can't I can't think Silicon of the name Valley. right now. Something like some around there. It wasn't too long ago, maybe about a year or two ago. Um, but yeah, uh, I wonder how the. I don't think it's his Dark Majesties because I say it wrong every time. But his Dark Materials Is that's that a show? on right now. Yeah, it's good. I like it. I was, I'm cur- I'd be curious to see how that's doing because I think that'd be a good. Right. I, they barometer. did mention that they didn't bring up um, their their like Hulu 
add-on. I guess HBO has a couple add-on mm-hmm. sites, um, or they're added to sites. And they didn't bring up those streams, uh, but they're going off the HBO subscription screen uh, uh, streams and Were they TV comparing ratings. it based on the first season of Game of Thrones? I would have to go back in the interview. Maybe we'll deep dive in there, do Yeah. Regardless. Yeah, regardless. Let's talk uh, about the episode. Episode 7, uh, the uh, an almost religious awe is what it's called. Um, just to top it off, what's, uh, what's your rating on this one? I can't. My, I've been thinking about the, the. I think the rating scale needs to improve in uh, future seasons, just because things change. But I would almost give this like a nine for a di- whole different reason than I would have gave like the last episode a nine. And okay. my reason is like this is the first episode that's kind of like threw me not for like a crazy loop, but I feel like for I didn't know by the end of it I didn't know like what was gonna happen yes. or how it was gonna. I mean I like. How it ends, I predicted as soon as she left, like left that room. But I was, I, I didn't expect them to like run right into it and like right. how they did it. And then there's like some other stuff that they like wasn't totally out, like so much of a loot. But I thought like the writing in this was the first time I was like not just expecting it to happen for sure. Huh. I um I am going to give this. At first, I was going to give it a seven. A but, nine might be high. That's why I mean, like, there's diff- like I think the last episode was like the best overall episode, and the best sure. cinematic episode. But I think like as far as like entertainment value, I got a lot out of this one. Just because yeah. I just didn't see a lot of it coming. Um, my final score is an eight, strictly because of the last shot, and that is where I mean they they like caught me. It was like oh. Here is here's a bit of a here's that left turn that I think we we were uh, mentioning or at least turning left. You know it might not be the full turn yet, um, but that the the last shot uh, with Calvin really threw me for a loop because yeah. now I mean there are problems in this episode to me which we'll get into once we go through this uh, kind of shot by shot type deal that we usually do. Um, but the, I mean, I think the writing was strong, and it only concerned me in the sense of like now they're creating so much new canon. It's like crazy, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. And it just, it's almost it's almost this an entirely separate thing. I mean, without I guess the original origin, you know, with the squid falling and like the PTSD, the looking glass goes through um it's almost an entirely new deal um which i don't i don't know how to feel about yet <laughs> to be honest mm-hmm. um i mean I'm, i like it i appreciate it because uh, not everything can always revert back to the comics um because that would be kind of boring boring storytelling but there is there's a great amount of new biz that they have thrown in here it goes against the comics or just adds on to the comics it it just adds on in a way that was never foreshadowed in the comics did do they foreshadow in the comics of i think they it's definitely a a, a ambiguous ending to the comic book series um not as ambiguous as like you don't know what's going on, but you can kind of foresee the next few years and everything that they've done with like the government and like squid cleanup and all the businesses that have opened, all that like totally leads way, um, and is in a sense foreshadowed in the comics. But I think the more like character stuff, like Doctor Manhattan, 
um, and now this new power that he has, like that was never foreshadowed. He had never done anything like that in the comics, mm-hmm. never discussed anything like that in the comics. Um, I, th- I mean, honestly, that's probably the biggest one. <laughs> and, you know, it's I don't know. Maybe I might be nitpicky um, right now, but it is it's a it's a thing because that Dr. Manhattan is the key central character to the comics mm-hmm. um, and of the universe. And for them to create this new power kind of out of nowhere, it, it kind of hits me in a weird way. I don't know if it's a good or Let's bad see way. see how they play it out. Yeah. I get what you're saying, but I don't, I'm don't. i wondering how it plays out. Like, I wonder if it is a new power or, I mean, like, here comes Adrian Veidt again, maybe. For sure. You know, who knows? Um, and, like, yeah, because it basically was like a exoskeleton. Yeah. Yes. Which, I mean, I guess in theory, for, like, what he has shown to be able to do, I mean, during his, like, reconstruction period, he once showed up just as a central nervous system um, before he kind of form into like the full blue man um essentially i don't know it's just interesting how it's amongst interesting. the people was he in the comic um beyond the movie i guess i know the movie is pretty much the comic i mean he like, was, was he like an average person before the accident yeah he was just a scientist after accident after accident he was um this kind of uh government figure but also like a figure of like america basically the government uh, advertised him as like this is the American Superman. I don't want to like jump to like the preview of next episode, but what like threw me for like a weird thing after the Manhattan reveal is that like there's this scene of them buying drinks and like getting to know each other in the bar. Yeah, that's gonna be weird. So we'll see how. It plays I mean, out. is that like a thing that he would do? It's just like for someone who like in the beginning of the episode they have this whole like spiel about how much he's like hated there basically right and then it's just like they met in a bar i guess we don't know enough about that but for sure i mean it that's is where i <laughs> saw like what your that's where my feelings of like yours came in it's like i liked that it was him i thought that was cool i didn't predict that prior to for sure pretty much that because they they like they laid i they laid on pretty hard with they the do. like we've mentioned it a few times on a few episodes um and and you know that's <sighs> That's the thing. I think every time we brought it up, I, I, I think I said out loud, like, that can't be true because that's not one of his powers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now, I, I mean, totally proven wrong. Um, but, I, I mean, like you said, I guess we'll have to see what they do yeah. with it. Um, yeah, but right. I like I thought that was cool. It was nice to have something we didn't predict. Because you're sure. pretty. Let's give oh, credit where it's due. Let's your go prediction. ahead and get that. That's we do high fives five. for predictions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We've been like, li- the, I, dude, like we maybe been we're a little bitter at this because we didn't predict it. Possibly, but I think you're coming from a point of like you couldn't even call. I like I didn't. It was more of a swerve for me, but I haven't like got as deep into the comics as you did. You kind of did that before. No, it was a we huge swerve the podcast for myself. But uh, BN Lady True's daughter is confirmed to be a clone of her mother. Um, you can listen to that call on the uh, PDPedia file six. Yeah. Uh, another one of our great calls. Thank you guys for listening. You guys have heard a <laughs> lot of calls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The big one with uh, Will exposed last week. BN being this one, um, being the mother, mother clone this week. Uh, I forgot. We had another call in this episode as well. Um, maybe it's in my notes somewhere down the line. Um, yeah, it was something small. Oh, the wife of Judd, way back on episode two, 
uh, I think it was, it was either you or me. We had said something about the wife being sketchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was confirmed yeah. in this episode. So another call. I have to go back and uh, I think that, that might have been episode two. We were making calls way back then, yeah, man. Yeah. I feel like something <laughs> else even happened in this episode. It's playing in the background, so I'm going to keep my eye on it while totally. we're talking. Because it was something smaller, like... I can't remember. Uh, Moving on. Yeah. I'll remember it if I see it. Um, all right, so right before we get into the episode, we're going to try out something new. I'm going to give the quick shout-outs to mm. people who have been interacting with us nice. online um, because we do appreciate it. Um, so on the Twitter, I have uh, April Bear... Uh, Andy Vaughn, um, Adrian, Adrian Gibigny. I know I probably butchered that last name, but um, he actually get, he actually tweeted out a comic reference because right after the shows, I usually try to go back in the comics and look for the reference of like the title or anything like that. Yeah, that was a good job to find this one. Yeah, he um, that was actually because this guy tweeted nice. it out right after the episode. Oh yeah, shout out to him because yeah. I was like, man, Litho's on his game. <laughs> Not to like discredit your work for because you're so, Litho's managing all our social media, but uh, nice shout out to that guy for helping us. Yeah, look great. Totally, totally. I sent him a message like, dude, thanks. Could you yeah. just save me about an hour? <laughs> um, and, of course, Michael Django, who is uh, probably our most prevalent uh, responder on Twitter and on IG. We got a message from Mr. Jerome Vincent, who actually thanked us for uh, continuing the um, really the podcast and for doing the PDPDs. Yeah. And this apparently is good. he's an this actor. This is all good biz. feel to us, too, guys. Like, totally. I literally, like, step away from all the crap I have to do at my marketing agency to come here for a couple hours and drink coffee and just, like... So it's good, like... We get a, we're getting decent yeah. positive. Get I mean, I'm getting more love. recognition from this in ways totally. that I think I Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, I don't know what the last... Um, Number of listens were on the episode, but I mean, we were seeing what we're 40, at least like 50, 60, 40, 50, 60. Yeah, and from 11 different countries. Yeah, that, might, time even, we checked. that might even be a couple. We can look, <laughs> I'll look it up uh, today. I usually look at it when I post. Yeah, man. So thank oh, you yeah. guys. All right, yeah, so thank you. All right, let's kick in the episode. Go into episode seven. Uh, we start off with the um, the Watchmen uh, title kind of on a uh, staticky TV uh, screen. Which I always love to see. It always draws me back to um, my uh, YouTube series that produced the uh, Boho Show. It totally has that aesthetic Mm -hmm. of like the staticky old school TV. Um, Check that out when you guys get a chance. Um, So after the title, uh, we open up with um, uh, Dr. Manhattan. It's kind of like a um, like a novelty shop documentary uh, talking about John Osterman. And his story before he's Dr. Manhattan, you know, it's kind of like the cheesy voiceover of like a mild manner scientist goes and falls into one accident one day and becomes the world's first superhero. Um, And then they show the uh, lithium battery ads um, shows how he was 100. He was like 100 feet tall in Vietnam and how he helped the uh, government capture Vietnam uh, to win the war. And then we eventually fade out from that screen to realize that we're in an old video store. We see um, a very young actress. She's probably, I don't know, if, I don't know kids' ages, but if I had to guess, she's probably around seven, eight. The, the girl is in this episode? Yeah. This is actually what I, it's not a call that we made, but I'm going to make a really large scale call. That chick's going to be huge. Oh yeah! Oh my God! Like I was totally. like I, I was blown away by her acting. Yeah. Like I think she's just like I can't even really get into what makes me like 
just the role she plays and yeah. like how like sophisticated of a child she comes off as sure. is like I don't even know her name. We're gonna get that. Yeah, we're eventually, gonna get that by, but I'm calling uh, the it like because she's probably like what eleven, yeah, or something. So yeah, like yeah. in she's a very decade, young. she's gonna be like the thing. Totally, and no, it's like very what a great good time acting. for her to be an actress too with the hot like. That's shit. I was like, man, young people, young actors, like we need to be scoping on them yeah. and all these kid actors because it's like they're gonna be the Disney next ain't the gateway anymore, right. you know. And also like just with the changes of Hollywood, more women, more different, you know, my more minorities and stuff. It's totally. like really great time for that. But yeah, yeah she, yeah, this young actress. That's uh, what I was really thinking. killed. That's the my role. that's my call that I'll we could catch up on in twelve years. <laughs> yeah. But I want that audio just to say I did it <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, excellent stuff. A lot of a lot of face acting, a lot of emotional acting within her face. She didn't say too many words, but man, she really gave um, a hell of performance in her. You know, I don't know. She might have been on screen for maybe ten minutes. Uh, but we, but she is playing a little Angela, a uh, very young Angela in Vietnam. Uh, key, the '70s music, living in America. Uh, I think original track was by um, James Brown, I believe. Yeah, um, it was actually. So after after she purchases um, the Sister Night videotape, which we're gonna get uh, into into the Pedia, I mean in the Pedia episode that we're gonna do next. Um, but she picks up a Sister Night uh, VHS, goes to the clerk. Uh, clerk kind of gives her a little bit of back talk, and she's in in Vietnamese. Um, she says, "You know, are you gonna take my money or not?" Guy takes the money. She walks out. Uh, into a street festival that is going on in what I imagine to be, um, I think it's called La Bella, La Bella Plaza or somewhere around La Burma Plaza. Um, it's mentioned in the PDPDS, uh, but it's a street festival, real life street festival that happens um, in Saigon, uh, Vietnam. But in the the television show it's a festival kind of celebrating dr manhattan and it looks to be kind of like a uh an american type independence day because all of the native uh vietnamese uh folks don't seem to be too happy mm-hmm. but there's a lot of american soldiers around um on on the marionette board that young angela walks past that is where we get the uh title of this episode which i thought was done very well oh yeah man oh yeah oh because the the puppets come down off the strings and the, the the shadow is actually on the um on the title, done very that well. That guy's an ace. Yeah, yes. Or guys, gals. Yeah, whomever. Team. Killing it. Unit. <laughs> the ace unit. in the hole. Um, yeah. So after uh, we catch the title on the marionette board, young Angela goes to her parents. Uh, her father dressed up in army uniform. Um, and she shows them the tape and they're like, you can't watch that, um, until you're old enough type of deal. It has a, uh, I imagine an R rating, um, because the tagline actually on the top, I mean, on the front of the VHS, uh, tape is she's a nun with a motherfucking gun. (laughs) (laughs) So I imagine that's a rated R. Uh, the parents rightfully say, young Angela, you can't watch that. Uh, and then they go into uh, this piece where the father kind of bends down to reason with his daughter and says that uh, you need to be you know, afraid of people in masks uh, because they're trying to hide of who they really are. Um, and then we get the flashback, 
which is not done well. I was well. waiting to see what you thought oh. about the flashbacks. No, I, think I hated again, them. All this all episode. Them. Yeah. All I didn't mind some of the ones that went back to, like, the... The only reason I... I actually didn't mind them as much because she basically was going through, like, a memory lapse. Like, I think if they would have left them out of the other episodes, we could have loved them in this episode. Yes. But, you could, but, like, we're a little tainted on them. But it's, like, I like that. Like, sometimes I liked it, but... Yeah. It, uh, it was it was something to where um, it wasn't as terrible as I think that was episode five maybe, um, but it definitely wasn't as good as episode six. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> um, and I don't know. I think the, some of them like we know that her father is the son of Will. Like we we totally get all of that. Um, so it's I mean it was it was weird, but I wonder. Tie back quickly to the beginning of the episode. Yep. I wonder if like those things are like n- are in there so much to like basically tell people what's going on. I mean, I know that sounds like duh, that's what they're no, doing. no, no. But you I know f- what I mean? Like, it's like they're yeah. having all these rating issues. It's like I wonder if people are just having trouble like keeping up. Yeah, maybe it's just like too sophisticated of a show. Totally. Um, no, I, I think, don't know though. It's just weird. I think it's probably. It's insulting. For, like, Maybe it's masses. insulting the viewer too, in a weird way. I think it's insulting like us. I yeah, people I mean, definitely. have been keeping up on it. I mean, if like, all right, so we uh, should collect how much screen time has been used on flashbacks. I'd say. I'd say three and a half minutes this episode, maybe. Totally. Like three. Yeah. Easily. Which sounds stupid, but that's 3% of the episode yeah. is what I saw last week or pro- weeks prior. And they're not the type of flashbacks that like truly convey everything. They're like the hot point. Flashbacks. You know, like with flashbacks is when the flashback leaves the frame of what it originally was. Like, oh, we're gonna go back to the flashback, and then it's like, oh, the camera pans left, and oh, did you see the calendar was on the twelfth? Yeah. Like, that's a good use of flashbacks. Yes. If yeah, if you can expose a bit more in the flashback uh, than what was originally shown, I think that's done. I want to well, talk to the editor, but it's well, not. We hope to talk to the editor. Yeah, we really do. Um, we should find this. I'm gonna go on my after IMDb after Pro. the season's over. We got two more episodes. We got four more episodes, including the Pedipedias, for sure. And then maybe like a recap at the end of the season. But then I think our off season is gonna be just trying to get a hold of all these people. Yeah, because I was. I'm, it's one. I want to know. Was that? I'm gonna ask some hard questions, but no, is, that, is, that, is like, that like was that lazy editing? Was that not? I don't want like lazy editing, but like were you having trouble telling the story? In the editing room, so you felt like those flashbacks were necessary, or was that something that was like written in the story, right? Um, or was it something that HBO like kind of mm-hmm. handed down once they got the mm-hmm. final? I'd be really like, you know, that. But all right, so I was I was about to say they're not the type of flashbacks that expose too much information because for the first half of the episode, um, Abby was here and she was watching it with me, and she hasn't seen the last like three episodes, so she already knew she would be lost. But even she made a mention of the flashbacks, and she's like, "That's that like doesn't mean anything." That's a good good uh, opinion to have. Yeah, it's I don't know. They're they're definitely not done as well as episode six. Um, But after we get the flash of uh, her father, um, you know, going through that moment with his father, Will, um, where she where he like grabs him, kind of towards the end of episode six. we get uh, back to young Angela, who sees a transaction going down with the guy who was playing around with the marionettes and some random bro um, on a bicycle who has a book bag. Uh, these are local natives, uh, Vietnamese folks, and 
After riding off with something in his book bag, the young man jumps off the bike, runs up to where all the soldiers are kind of congregated by this jeep, jumps in and self-detonates. And that is when young Angela sees her parents die. What do you think about the scene? I thought that scene was—I uh, wasn't expecting it. Yeah. I knew something sketchy had just like gone down with that whole book bag deal, but I wasn't expecting it to be a bomb. I—I I, something that scene made me think of. There's to me, I don't know why, because I mentioned this before. There's a lot of parallels to the Iraq War. Yes. And like just what's going on over there. We first talk about it in episode two about the way they they like threaten to pull the Nixon thing down, and I think I talked about how that reminded me of the. Um, Saddam statue, right. which we actually looked up a photo in the studio, um, and it did have the same frame. Mm-hmm. And then that was just a very like Taliban war movie shot. Uh, it was, it, I don't know if that even means anything, but it's just like I've, it's I've been like interested on in how much I've been drawn to like that war parallel, right? Of like the imagery mm-hmm. and biz, and yeah, the imagery. I mean, just to just to think more on that, it might be because I mean that that war or this war that I mean shit, it's been a fifteen year war that mm-hmm. hasn't gone anywhere. But that's the most prevalent war in like our lives. Yeah, you know. Um, so maybe I mean they are just playing purely like on that. Uh, I think this deal. show does a lot of a good job of like putting you putting the the same structure with different meat on it. Yeah. You know, and I think that might be just more of that where it's like here's the same kind of like bitterness, but it's between America and Vietnam. Right. You know, I don't know. Totally. Um, so right after the bomb goes off uh, and the parents die, Angela is a quick cut to uh, grown up Angela, Miss Abar, falling out of her bed. Um you know, kind of cracking her face on the ground. She is still coming out of her coma estate um, in the Lady True facilities. And that is when Lady True, who I think played a dynamite role this this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it might just be the most time we've gotten with her. But I really enjoy that actress's yep. performance. It's very stern. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even know if she blinks. I was thinking about wow. that upon second watch. <laughs> I don't know if she blinks one time in any of her shots. Interesting. Yeah, I have to go back and really look. Um, if she comes on screen again, I'm going to stare at it. <laughs> uh, so Lady True uh, comes in the room, and she's like, you know, I know what you're going to ask me, because you've asked me it like five times already. Um, so, you know, she goes, she's kind of kind of mocking her, like, oh, how did I get here? Uh, what's going on? da 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 um, Lady Truth says that she is sa- saving her life, um, and then she injects her with a name I'm about to butcher, Nemodialysis, I believe it's called. Uh, she injects it into this kind of like IV uh, that's going through Angela's veins. Uh, Angela passes out, and it is a cut to this commercial that is essentially playing in Angela's brain. And I thought that was a really mm-hmm. cool aspect mm-hmm. of it because it has a, it has a voiceover and everything, and it says how pneumodialysis, you know, attacks uh, parts of your brain that are coated with nostalgia, and it's you know all this for recovery, but it's done in a very commercial style, uh, which I thought was awesome. Um, Angela immediately wakes back up, and she's like, "Don't you ever do that to me again." <laughs> um, the uh, Angela looks down. 
sees that the tube that um, is attached to her arm, her arm leads out of the room. Uh, Lady True says that we needed to use a uh, kind of living descendant to attach it to. So Angela assumes that it's Will. Um, you know, she asks to see Will. Lady True that says that she won't. She, like, refuses. So then we go. It's a... Um, interruption of their conversation of something that's going on on the loudspeaker um, that says that it's 12 hours to the millennial clock is activated um, and it's going on around the facility and through it's kind of like a I guess an audio transition the the announcement is still going on but we cut to the outside of the facility where Calvin uh, pulls up to the true facility gate um he's pretty angry he's like yo can i see my wife uh what's going on the guard takes out a hologram circle places it on the ground and that is when uh young bian shows up uh as a hologram an interactive hologram they're like talking mm-hmm. to each other yeah um again i think we said a few episodes ago we mentioned how like advanced <laughs> all this mm-hmm. hologram technology is um, but she essentially says that the place is on lockdown. Sorry, Calvin, you can't come in. Uh, and then we get a cut to uh, Agent Blake, Agent Blake herself, who I want to take a quick, quick side quip uh, because I've been given, I've been given Agent Blake hell all yep. series. Yep. And this was the first time I was like, all right, it makes sense. Like this was done well. This episode was done well. For Agent Blake, because she was placed in a Bruce Willis situation. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. all of all of the Bruce Willis talk finally made sense. I mean, sense. there was a trap door in this episode. She fell through a trap door. It couldn't get more Bruce Willis. You know what I'm she saying? She woke up in a chair. She Dude, is Bruce Willis. She's fucking Bruce Willis Maybe this now. was a build to Bruce Willis. <laughs> Real quick, I saw Lady BM blink once, but then the rest of the time I didn't. So Ooh. maybe that was a slip blink, or maybe she doesn't blink a lot. But anyway... Nice catch, <laughs> Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That yeah. Was, she like, there's like sparks in the scene she's in yeah. where she has a chair. Dude, like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it like finally all made sense. Um, so I guess to run through just to give way of what we're alluding to, um, Agent Blake is in the car. She's on the phone with Agent Petey. Agent Petey's actually at Looking Glass's house. Um, he's downstairs in the. Uh, black room bunker type deal he's on the phone with her he's like hey they there are about seven dead cavalry members uh and i think he mentioned that one or two of them were cops um but looking glass is nowhere to be found so we don't see looking glass but looking glass is alive yeah he is alive uh and he murdered all those folks that were busting into his house at the end of episode i guess that was episode five Four, five yeah yeah um, so he killed all those guys. Now he's kind of disappeared. Um, Agent Blake is still sitting in her car. She says, yo, I got to call you later. As uh, the wife of Chief Judd Crawford pulls up, uh, rides up on a white horse. Um, and I I immediately thought of like the pale white horse type deal um, when she pulled up. Um just going through like the four horsemen. I wonder if there anybody else is going to uh, ride a horse. Hmm. <laughs> I hope they that'll be like yeah, the a horse cool, has like, been a big analogy. I mean, there's the painting of the Comanche war chief in her house, totally. um, and then Adrian Veidt rides a whore, white horse. Yep. 
white horse. Yeah. Great track by a great band, Laid yeah. Back, White Horse. White Horse. Everybody go listen to that by Laid Back when you get a chance. Um, all right, so uh, after she pulls up on the horse, uh, Agent Blake's like, you know, can we? Hit, can I talk to you for a moment? There's a cut into uh, their house where Agent Blake is sitting on a chair as Mrs. Crawford is sitting on a couch. Um, Blake goes into kind of this expositional dump of, um, we found out who killed your husband. It was Hooded Knight. Hooded Knight was actually Will Reeves, who was a black man. Um, and he... I got these recordings from his granddaughter who took a bunch of nostalgia. They kept bringing up Cyclops. So I think that (laughs) your husband and possibly Senator Kane are part of the Cyclops deal. And that is when uh, Mrs. Crawford looks at her dead eyed and was like, oh, you weren't supposed to find that out yet. Which I thought was pretty good writing. I mean, besides the expositional dump. What a Bruce Willis moment. Yeah. Totally. I know what you're fucking doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to be slick about it. I know what you're doing. <laughs> I know what you're up to. Um, and then as when Miss Crawford uh, pulls out this remote control, uh, taps the button two times, and a door opens under um, uh, Agent Blake's chair. And she, after like, I don't know, three, four seconds, the chair finally falls. It's played yeah, off to be like comical. Um, the remote was like old looking too, so yeah. it's kind of like, oh, they've had this trip that we're here for. <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah, it was a big blocky remote. Um, and uh, once Angela Blake, I mean, <laughs> once Agent Blake falls through the floor, um, Mrs. Crawford gets on the phone and she's like, "What should I do? Should I kill her or not?" Um, and then from there, I believe that it is a cut to. Ba-na-na-na-da. Going through the notes, going through the notes. Cut to Angela. Cut to Angela in bed. And that is when uh, BN comes into the room. She starts flashing these association cards. Um, And BN brings up, or she asks Angela, you know, is it hard to lie to your kids? Um, And Angela's like, you know, what are you talking about? BN's like, "Uh, because you're a cop. And, you know, why Why don't you just tell your kids that it's a cop? Angela goes into saying how, you know, their parents died. They would be scared for her life. Um, and BN kind of ends that conversation like, well, aren't you scared? Um, and then Angela fades back again into memory. Cause she's still coming out of coma. Uh, she goes back and, you know, into this like coma-esque state, I suppose. Um and it shows young Angela, that uh, amazing young actress that we spoke about earlier. Um, she is actually in an orphanage now in Vietnam. Um, and they are making, I think they're Dr. Manhattan toys yeah. type deal. It's kind of like a sweatshop setup type situation. Um, is she in class when that happens? No, no. It's a, it's, sweatshop. It's a sweatshop. Because uh, all the kids are making yeah. the toys. Um and then there's a shot outside that shows. I was confusing the later orphanage. when she's cleaning the floor. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess that's still the the orphanage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Quote unquote. Air quote. The yeah, orphanage. The orphanage. <laughs> yeah. Um, Man, nothing more classic. Well, we'll get there. But nothing more classic than scrubbing a floor with a black haired <laughs> wood brush. Totally. It doesn't get more classic than that. <laughs> that's that classic. That's like, what I'm making like work. my kids do when like it's that brush. <laughs> it's not like no Swiffer. No. 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 
Go scrub the floor. <laughs> Your you great great grandfather scrubbed floors with this brush <laughs> when he was a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> um so um outside of the orphanage, little Angela is brought to uh two police officers, one man, one woman. Um Vietnamese police officers. Um and outside they start asking her like if if we had a suspect, could you identify? Speaking of the man who uh, gave the other man the bomb at the street fair, uh, they take Angela to the back of the car, and that's when she identifies the guy. Um, he's immediately drug out the car with a and a bag is placed over his head. Um, the lady police officer tells Angela, "You know, you could go back in now." Young Angela looks up and and I think in Vietnamese says, "You know, can I can I listen?" You know, speaking about uh, the headshot that is soon to come, lady officer gives her like a cool smug uh, kind of smile and she hands her a, a badge, young Angela badge. And she says, you know, when you when you get older, look me up type of deal. Um, she takes the badge from the grown up police officer lady. And that is when the gunshot is held in the distance. And there's like this soft smile that's uh, that appears on the young actress's face again. Mm-hmm. Killer actor. Uh, yeah, she killed it. Um, you like love her, which is a big thing. Because I was thinking about this scene coming up. We're gonna, I'm not gonna jump it, but totally. that whole scene is like, yeah, wow. Uh, uh, so I think Angela. Da, 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 can I listen? Where am I? Yeah, quick cut to Angela waking up out of that quick coma, coma state. Uh, Bian's like she asked her, you know, who, whose memory did you just have? Um, Angela says it was her own. Yeah, and uh, Bien explains that, you know, the medicine must be working because now she's experiencing more of her own memories instead of Will's. And then Bien gets really tender and says, um, you know, I have these dreams where I'm an old woman and I'm in Vietnam and my feet hurt. And, you know, it, it totally leads way to uh, what is about to be exposed, that she is actually an old lady. Um, transition from... There's a close-up on Angela, uh, kind of looking at Bien, and then we get the transition through her eyes of the cathedral. Another great transition. Kellen was like, whoa. Really? Out loud at that transition. No. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, yeah. I was sitting back like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. But that was a great one. Always to the other world. Totally. Totally, yeah. But great scene. Well. Because we have Game Warden Mr. Phillips. Game Warden. Calvin didn't really realize those were all the clones. Yeah? Yeah. Huh. I guess it's a little, like, they, they, I think they basically used a bunch of extras that all look similar, and they kept focus really intelligently. For sure. I was, like, watching them shoot it, watching how they shot it the second time. But I guess I could maybe see that. Um, but, yeah, Game Warden Mr. Phillips. Game Warden Mr. Phillips. Uh, Ozymandias sitting in court. Game Warden comes in. Um, he is the judge of this court. The court is filled with, uh, I'll say, 150 Mr. Phillips and Mrs. <laughs> Crochanks. <laughs> um, and they they do they mention uh, right before uh, Game Warden sits down that this is the 365th day of court. So within this bubble, time is very strange. Um, because apparently this this whole thing's been going on for a year. Yeah, that's what I was wondering about. But then it made me think about, like, is this not on present-day timeline? 
Possibly. And who is he attracting with the fucking the satellite? Yeah. Why is that satellite there? I was really on that it was like Dr. Manhattan. But I guess it could be maybe it's Lady True. Well, it's the Lady message, True now. The message that he makes with all the dead limbs is save me D. Would which would go to Dr. Manhattan. But I I mean I wonder if all that is just like this magic ruse by like Lady True to make him think that, you know, time is passing in a certain manner and you know, he is where I guess he thinks he is. I don't know. Hmm. I don't yeah. know. That whole three sixty five. This day episode actually made loop. that angle more interesting. Yes. And I think it was the first one too. Yeah. Do so. Um in you know, I I think I said last week that they really don't have time for the court biz and they I mean it was in and out. Yeah, they got us in and out. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't really uh we didn't stay there too long. Um I guess just to go walk through it. Um uh Gay Warren sits down, Lady Crochet uh, <laughs> a version of Lady Crochanks has on those old school uh wigs of like the rollers. Um, and she is acting as a prosecutor, and she basically goes up and you know kills Ozzy Mandy's his reputation. Um, reputation goes on to say how you know before he got there he murdered uh, three million people. Uh, he is a confirmed murderer of you know their brothers and sisters, um, and you know he needs he needs to be found guilty essentially. Uh, she ends it by saying you know thou shall not leave. Um, Judge, <laughs> Judge Mr. Phillips, uh, asked Ozymandias if he has any uh, rebuttal. Ozymandias stands up and gives a nasty wet fart to the court. Um, and I think I think he has a line afterwards. He but says he only- the, the the prosecution has rested. <laughs> yeah, classic court lines. Um, but yeah, that's all he says. Then he sits back down, uh, and then the judge goes on to yell at him and says, you know, um, in a court of law, you're supposed to be um, judged by your peers, but none of these people are your peers, so I have found a new group, and that is when he signals Mr. Phillips uh, to open up a door, and that's when a slew of pigs, who, which were real pigs this time, mm-hmm. Um, I was so expecting. Once I seen the first one, I was like, oh, my God, here go to Buffalo again. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> I think they knew they couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a bunch of baby pigs run in. Uh, the judge kind of making fun. He was like, these are your peers, Ozymandias. Um, and then he picks up one, whispers in its ear, you know, what is the verdict? The pig gives a squeal. And that is when uh, Game Warden Phillips uh, calls a guilty, guilty judgment. Uh, so... Um, we get a shot of everybody in the court standing up and pointing at Ozymandias, uh, you know, yelling guilty. And then I don't, I forget how they transition out. Um, how do you oh, do? with the gold statue. Oh, yeah. It's a close right up. back into the, right back into everything. Yeah, right back into Lady True. I was like almost expecting the statue to change, and it didn't, but that would have been weird. No, me too. I thought the facial structure was going to change. Cause it's like ooh, yeah, it's just like a living statue mm-hmm. type of deal. Um, yeah, that would have been cool. But we transition uh, from a close up on 
owed Ozymandias in uniform to the uh, gold statue that we seen in episode three, probably. Damn, isn't the tower that Captain Man, Doctor Manhattan, is building on Mars in episode one the same look as that castle? Yes. So what's that all about? That has yes. to be that building like he is, is important. under. He's totally under surveillance. I mean. Then again, Doctor Manhattan's the most powerful person in the universe. So no, maybe but he it's, just it's interesting. Like, is that that could Lady True have something to do with all of this and how all like were they under wraps? Like, what if I don't know? Not that like, what if Vite's the statue? I don't know. I'm thinking more about like how Doctor Manhattan is in obviously in his body here now and then he's like also when they show the fake footage of him they also use that castle and then you have adrian veidt who's in this like delusion who also is in that castle Hmm. i don't have a straight call on this but no i think you're tying the pieces you're definitely the red line is definitely going towards Mm -hmm. the middle totally yeah um yeah um so we get the we get the transition from the statue and we see angela uh, kind of following her too, sneaking around Lady True facilities, and that, and, and then Lady True kind of walks up, walks up on her, catches her, sneaking around, and she's like, "Hey, let's get some lunch." So they sit down. Uh, Angela, rightfully so, is kind of confused slash angry. Uh, she goes on to ask Lady True, you know, like, "What, what the hell is going on?" Uh, Lady True gives off the hap-handed um, comment of, "You know, I'm just trying to save the world. I'm going to save humanity." And then she brings up how she knows about Calvin's accident. Uh, she mentions how it was a car crash. And then, upon second watch, I caught this dialogue. Um, she kind of smirks and says, you know, it's funny that he experienced total amnesia. That's almost That almost never happens That's in humans. That's what led me to... I knew the conclusion based on that line after the, the moon, big blue earth scene. I, like, didn't think they would go right into it, but... Yeah. No, totally. I didn't. I don't. I caught that the first time. I didn't. I caught. Oh, I, I caught her. I, I paid attention to her saying it, but when she said it, it didn't like snap. Right, right. But like when I when something she says later, I was like, ooh, mm. it's Cal. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good it's funny because it's like I also took this as like how perfect of a husband he is. Totally. And it's like he's not even real. <laughs> yeah, he's a perfect guy. He can't be real. Of course he's. Uh, that's what literally made me think of it too. Was like, oh my god, he's perfect. He's Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, just kind of buzzing around on Twitter afterwards. People, a lot of people were making comment of like, oh, that's why Agent Blake uh, mentioned. Yes. I think she mentions like two or three times she how said, handsome he is. I thought and about like, that in the the two as well. Yeah, I did. I thought about that after the fact, but like. Man, they led right to it. They like totally, wrote right to it. Totally. They were I think that was probably this whole thing is the best piece of writing. Um, you know, keeping it under wraps for seven episodes, but giving small hints. Yeah. You know, that's that why I like wanted way. to give this episode a nine in a weird way because it was like they got they like did it right. For sure. Um, I do think the episode has like holes and stuff in it. Yeah. Damn. Um, so uh what? wait, what's gonna I can't that swore we're watching the final scene. Oh, yeah. Well, I swore that was a metal circle. Not clear. Yeah, it's a metal. That was clear, dude. Did they change it? I've huh. watched this twice. I'm not sure. I know that symbol is what um, 
And I mean, for reference, we are playing the episode in the background as we record. Yeah, this. we usually do that just to kind of, if anything comes up, we kind of forgot. Yeah, to we just like just jog give a quick look up. Um, and what uh, Anthony is referring to is the last scene when Angela pulls out um, the uh, the symbol, the Doctor Manhattan symbol from Calvin's head. Um, got that playing in the background now. Uh, but to uh, jump back into where we left off in the episode. Um, you know, she, Lady True brings up how funny it is that he has total amnesia. Um, and that's when Angela kind of goes straight in and says, you know, whose nostalgia is your daughter's taking? And that is when Lady True gives the reveal um, that that's actually her mother. She cloned her and she's refeeding her uh, memories because she can't be her mom without her mom's memories, which I guess makes sense. Um so then we get a cut to uh, Agent Blake in the warehouse uh, in her most Bruce Willis style. She's tied up. Sparks are flying everywhere. Uh, right behind her is a huge Cyclops graffiti symbol. Um, and wait oh, a minute. We just gotta watch, to, we gotta watch yeah, yeah, yeah just to, All right, check it out here. This was a metal ring, I swear. Yeah, yeah. Ah, never mind. If that's what you saw, then I'm wrong. I thought I saw it, like, not with the see-through around it twice. Oh. Huh. I'm like so, was... so... HBO, by the way, edits their shit again after and keeps uploading it. They do. Based on errors. Totally, so totally. I'm, that's, like, kind of why I was suspect <laughs> yeah. about that. Like, you motherfuckers. Yeah, like, Game of Thrones, they recolored that whole episode. Yeah. They had to go in and digitally take out, like, a Starbucks cup or something yeah, like that. That's bullshit. Yeah. Um... So, Agent Blake, uh, back in the episode, Agent Blake sitting in the warehouse, uh, Bruce Willis style, tied up. Uh, and that is when Senator Keene walks in and kind of starts to deliver his evil plan type deal. Um, I think the first thing he says is like, I bet you're wondering what, how you got here, blah, blah, blah. And Agent Blake totally stops him and is like, I don't give a shit about your plan. I don't give a shit about what these racist people are fucking building. Uh, I don't care why I'm in a JCPenney's. I'm just tired, which is great Bruce Willis dialogue. Yeah. And it also kind of <laughs> ties in her shitty at, like character for the whole thing. Because that's kind of her whole demeanor was just like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I'm tired of this. She's been living this life since she was 16 years old. She is um, she's definitely a vet in the vent- vigilanteism lifestyle. Now she's catching them. I can see how she's tired. Um, so but then Keen kind of refuse her and it's like oh you will give a shit because soon um i'm not just going to be uh president you know leader of the racist um this kind of racist movement but i'm gonna turn myself into a big mega blue racist and uh <laughs> restore balance to I'm gonna be dr racist <laughs> yeah dr racist basically and I'm, uh, he makes a a line um or says a line that he is going to restore uh, the balance of the country and the freedoms uh, or lack of that it was founded on because it is very difficult to be a white man in America right now. And then we get a cut to uh, Lady True on a podium uh, giving a speech as Angela is wandering around. Angela can, is like looking at the, the speech through uh, one of the large uh, TV monitors in the facility. But uh, Angela continues to sneak around. She finds her way to what she believes to be Will's room, starts banging on the door. She's like, hey, 
you what are you what are you trying to tell me? I took your memories, da da da. The music swells, um, and that is when Angela breaks the door lock to see that there is a huge lying elephant at the other end of her tube. This two. is weird to me. I don't know what to even think about this. No, I, yeah. I don't know. I hope they explain it. Yeah, and I hope all it's, I said it was when I was well. watching it with Callan was, "Are they pumping the elephant all these scary racist memories?" <laughs> <laughs> like imagine being like a imagine seeing like cat like being a human and getting cat racist memories. Like, what are these things? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what this is. What is this? I have no context. <laughs> Why are they beating this man? Yeah, um, big big elephant just lying on the floor. I mean, my first thought was like, "Oh, elephants have the greatest memory." Because they have the largest hippocampus. Oh, you know that's good space. Yeah, that, I mean that that's was my probably first logical. But my mine was less logical. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a reference at the beginning of the episode where Lady True says that we this tube has to be attached for the for recovery to work. The tube has to be attached to someone relevant in the life. I think she even says a relative. So the fact that it's attached to this elephant I, it, that confused me. Yeah, but uh, I, I, mean, I kind of wrote that off as her trying to just BS why she can't see Will. But that's pro- I mean, I didn't like, think about oh, that. That's to be probably like, right. tied in. You can't see him and blah, 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 blah. Right. And she like knew Angela would eventually break down the door type deal. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's a weird scene. Um, but after, um, you know, she 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 sees this elephant, uh, she pulls out the cord. Uh, attached to her arm, and that is when a um, another alarm goes off in this facility. Um, I think what does it say? Something something has unplugged, I believe it says. Um, and then we get a flashback <clears throat> to young Angela um, getting picked up by old June. Is that the same actress? I I don't think so. I don't. At first, I did, but then like she just looks too perfect. Yeah, old. that makeup work would have to be perfect. Dude, but they really nailed the casting totally. Because when they totally. even flash back to her, it's like, oh, well, that's the same person. No, they totally look alike. Um, yeah, yeah. We get a old June, um, which from episode six we basically see her whole backstory. Uh, but she um, is there to pick up a young Angela from the orphanage. Um. You know, she she sees Angela for the first time. She explains, you know, I'm your grandma. She asks young Angela, you know, has your father ever talked about me? Angela says no. Um, her, girl, her grandma goes on to say that, you know, it's because of an argument that they had. Um, he wanted to go to the military. Uh, his mother, who, you know, has seen what police force and the government and everything has done to uh, people close to her. She refutes, you know, um, she doesn't want her son to join the forces. Uh, he runs off anyway, says he'll never talk to her again. And essentially, she found out he was dead because she sent him a letter when she had got pretty sick. She had a heart attack. Yeah, she said that she had a small heart attack. Um, and then after she got well, she sent a letter to her son. And she got the letter back with a big stamp that said deceased. Um, and then young Angela kind of goes on to say, you know, well, she's asking questions, you know, about, you know, her grandma. Um, and then she brings up, well, what do I have a grandfather? And that's when her grandmother immediately changes the, the conversation, yeah. uh, which I thought was like pretty good writing. Uh, again, in that conversation, we have a few flashbacks that I thought were pointless because um, they were showing flashbacks from episode six. 
um, which I didn't care for. I thought the only reason I like I like them with her a little bit because it a like kind of they look the same and I thought that was kind of cool that it brought together. And I thought it drove home to the like, oh shit! Like how much people alive today have seen. For sure. Like I brought that up to like some people before. Is like, dude, if you're like your grandpa, like. You know, it's like has, like that woman's been through all that shit we saw last episode yeah. and all this. And it's like that's someone like a white person can't relate to in most situations. Like For if sure. you're like Jewish or something. Most definitely. You know, everyone has their different groups, have their things. But um, I think that was a good piece just to add because I bring that up a lot to people when I get into conversations like that of like, you know, your family's been set up, yeah. you know, and it's like so I thought that's sort of, I thought that shot of her at the graduation was like wow that was in 19 something 38 you know and here yeah. she is in another country 19 that had to be like 1967 prior probably 30 years prior to what's happening now right um which is still fucked you know and no, i thought totally. that, i thought that was the best part of that flashback i really enjoyed OG. i think they overdid going back to her a few times hmm. but I, I thought this whole scene was good. I thought I really enjoyed I got Old June because sec- she reminded me of my grandmother. She it was, was a very classic, like, like, granny. Yeah, totally, totally. And, I mean, it would totally be around that same time. Like, I think I mentioned uh, before, you know, my Ganny, uh, who's in Pittsburgh, doing pretty well. Um, she was born in 19-fucking-28. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, in 1938, she was 10. And, you know, that's when those, that all that shit was happening. So as much as she had seen, um, and it might seem kind of far-fetched for a person of that age to still be alive, it's like, the motherfuckers are still walking around. Growth. Like, my grandfather didn't see that. You know what I mean? It's like, my, sure. if you look at my grandfather and my father, they have, like, not similar arcs. You know, like, my grandpa was in the war and stuff, but it's like... You know, just the, the amount of drastic change that's happened. Most definitely. Is, like, is really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad they, like, touched on that a little bit. This scene, the second time I watched it, I had just gotten really high smoking a blunt. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to say hi. I just realized saying hi, like, I'm not shooting dope or him. I was smoking some weed. Uh-huh. And I was, like, emotionally, like, moved by, well, get to the, ne- I guess get to the next part of it. So they're in the cafe. They talk. Sister Knight. Yeah, uh, they're in a cafe. Um, she immediately changes the conversation when young Angela brings up her grandfather, and she's like, "You know, what you what do you got in that bag?" Young Angela pulls out a uh, Sister Knight VHS. Um, her grandmother kind of laughs. She's like, "I remember that. You know, when that when that came out." Um, and that she, was kind of she goes funny on line ass. because she had to be like fifty years old when that came out. Yeah. If that was like a 70s flick. Yeah, yeah. And the PDPedia it says it came out in 77. Okay. Totally. Great year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Best dead year. Yeah. My company name, 77 um, Media. But yeah, she's, uh, you know, her grandma's like, well, have you watched it? And Angela still, you know, going by her parent, her dead parents' rules at this point is like, I'm not allowed to watch it, which I thought was like the most tenderest little kid moment of the episode mm-hmm. of like, I'm not allowed because my parents said so. Um, and, and she's still staying. I mean, not that the orphanage was going to let that happen, but. For sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 Possibly. Um, but yeah, they go into uh, a little bit of, of sister and I dialogue. Um, and then eventually that's when her uh, grandma is kind of like, you know, I'm going to take you home. Um, let's go back to Tulsa. That's where you're from. Um, 
and you know let's let's just, let's just get you out of here um so her grandma is putting her into a cab um you know it's a very tender scene the the classic uh suitcase in the trunk of the cab she puts Angela in the car, um, and as she's walking behind the grandmother, as the grandmother is walking around the car, she suffers a heart, at- a heart attack and dies right behind the taxi as young Angela is sitting inside waiting to go back home to Tulsa. That shot was phenomenal. Do you remember it? Of her falling? Uh, the whole thing. Yes. That was phenomenal. Yes. I, I had mixed feelings about it. I think it was shot very well. Yeah. And... I think for for the first twenty seconds, I was very sad. I was really sad. Yeah, that I was, thought it was very it. sad. But after about twenty seconds, I was like, I kind of smacked my lips <laughs> because why? Why? I thought this was a little bit extra. I could dig it. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's just. That was my second immediate thought. I think I have written down like WTF. <laughs> um, I think this scene was. I think it was a really good scene that maybe just didn't fit the story that they like felt like they had to use. Because I thought the actor actresses were amazing. Totally, performance um, is great. I thought. I even heard dying was like, damn. No, like, it was I mean, that it was shot because it was shot through the back of the taxi car. Yeah, it starts with her on the on her. If you're looking at her, it'd be her right. Mm. Um, she gets her seatbelt buckled, and then the grandma walks back to the car, and it like goes in front of her to where it's a dead-on shot where you see the grandma collapse, and it comes out the window, and then you see her open the door and walk around the car. Totally. That was hot. Yeah, cinematography of that is, like, done very well. <laughs> this doesn't really fit in the story, but it's got great acting and it's shot well. Let's <laughs> yeah, let's keep it. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. It was just, it was kind of like, you you know, when certain movies are just, uh, they, give, they give your protagonist the saddest story ever. Mm. And that's that's the feeling I got. You know, it. I could have done without her grandmother dying and young Angela going back to Tulsa. Did she go? She never went back. Then. No, she never went back. And I mean, I don't know. This is all. I mean, I think again, it, this it original finished character. off. I think it finished off like the arc of the grandma. I guess I could have just assumed she was dead, but yeah, I mean, yes, I would assume she died of old age back in Tulsa. Angela joined the force, decided to go back to Saigon. You know, to complete her duties because that's where her father died. And so, uh, you like, know, would have been a homier type of writing. She comes back to Tulsa because her grandma passes. Yes, that'd have been nice. That's what I'm saying. It's like I thought that could have been done. Uh, I, I think that. Yeah, just could have like been done better. better. I guess. I, I mean, mean, I don't want to. You guys would have had like ten more minutes for flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. Duh. Um, yeah, I don't. I guess I don't want to go back and deep dive into that because I, I really yeah now I that you bring it up I love that whole scene but I guess it could have gone without it but at least it didn't suck no it didn't suck it did, it, it looked very good um, um, and all this is done you know through the Angela memory um, and then she wakes back up uh, after the uh, shot of her dead grandmother she wakes back up from this kind of coma state still inside the uh, elephant 
cage. Um, the alarm that's going off is subject disconnected. I knew I wrote that down. Um, Angela immediately runs out, uh, jumps into an elevator, and I believe this elevator goes up to the top of the millennial clock. Um, or at least a, a part of it. So she steps yeah, out of the elevator. Yeah, unclear. Yeah. Uh, steps out of it, and there is a, a big blue hologram of the globe. Uh, Angela walks up, and she touches it, and that is where we see on screen um, that it's actually the booth, the Dr. Manhattan booths that we see in Agent Blake in, in episode three. Um Lady True has a system where all the calls are basically recorded in this hologram globe. And when you touch it, you can physically see the caller uh, making their wishes and prayers and biz like that. So then Angela touches a couple different countries. Little tidbit from Kellen. The woman who speaks in Spanish says she has brain cancer. Whoa. Kellen, because Kellen took Spanish. Yeah. He's like, she, he was like, oh, she just told him that she had brain. He has, she was like praying for to cure brain cancer. Wow. Good catch, Kellen. Yep. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, because there was no subtitle or anything. No, yeah, it just said yeah. like in another language. So that woman was, I don't know what the, hmm. if someone has the translation on the other, there's only two guys. So if the right. other person was like Middle Eastern of some sort. So if anyone has that translation, yeah. we'll Head tweet both of these out. But yeah. the one is the woman had brain cancer. Wow. Good catch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after seeing, after seeing the woman and then there is like a Middle Eastern guy, I believe, uh, that is shown. Uh, Angela touches, she turns the globe, uh, touches Tulsa, and that is when she sees um, Agent Blake's call, actually. Um, you know, she's going about how, you know, she's given the, the, the last little bits of her joke. Um, at that point, Lady True walks in, and she's kind of like, you know, Angela, let's stop BSing each other. Um, and Angela's like, all right, so what the hell is going on? And Lady True goes on to say that um, uh, that Will, her Angela's grandfather, came to her uh, because he needed resources to stop the cavalry. And Lady True goes on to say how in one hour the cavalry is going to capture, kill, and then become Dr. Manhattan. Uh, and that she has a nice solid line of, I hate to be cliche, but Angela, I am saving fucking humanity, um, which I thought was a great line. Uh, Angela walks away, and as she's walking away, uh, Lady True says, you know, uh, Dr. Manhattan is here in Tulsa, and I believe I know who he is. Angela is continuing to walk away, and as she steps into the elevator to go back down, Lady True is, says, uh, you never asked me who he was. And then Angela just kind of looks at her and doesn't say anything, closes the elevator and goes away. Uh, and I think that's when we get this, these first hints of the uh, last reveal. So Angela goes, uh, she runs outside, she gets in her car. Uh, from the gate, she is stopped by Pirate Jenny, who I believe had the most lines she's ever had on the series. Um, shout out to you, Pirate Jen. Um, but she's like, you know, Angela, you're under arrest. You can't fucking leave. You're not going nowhere. Angela's like, tell Red Scare to move because he's blocking the gate with his car. Uh, Pirate Jenny yells something out to Red Scare, like, yo, Angela says, move. He says, F you. Angela starts the car and rams him out of the way. Um, immediately, we get to cut to her pulling up to her house, and that's when we realize that she is being watched through binoculars uh, by some cavalry members that are posted up on the other side of her street um, with a uh, big thing under a tarp in the back of this pickup truck, which we learn is a big gun. 
Angela runs in the house. Um, and Real quick, we've scrapped it over Pirate Jenny Man appearance. Yeah, Pirate Jen, man. She needs more, but <laughs> at least she's still there. Totally. She got two days on set. Maybe <laughs> yeah. three. Um, so inside the house, we have this cut of uh, Calvin on the couch. And he is reading a book called... Uh, for whom, for whom the bell tolls. For whom the bell tolls. Tolls. Ernest yes. Hemingway. It's an Ernest Hemingway book about a um, American volunteer who was attached to a. Um, this is during the Spanish American War. He he got attached to or no, not the Spanish American. It's Spanish something war, but he gets attached to this guerrilla unit, and it's essentially how you know the story is how, how he's kind of transformed um, into this killer through. Um, you know, just by way of volunteering and wanting to help, um, which falls back into this whole Dr. Manhattan um, thing. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't catch it. I didn't think about that. I didn't stop to see the book until the second viewing. And that's when I because um, I actually have a little reference of the book. Um, I don't think I read the whole thing, though. Uh, but it totally falls into the Dr. Manhattan, you know, being used by the government. Um, but he walks to the kitchen, sees Angela poking around. Uh, Angela pulls out a hammer. She goes into saying, you know, like, Calvin, you're a great husband. You're an excellent father. I love you. You're my best friend. As she's walking up closer, and then um, she says, you know, it's, I'm sorry, but it's time to come out of the tunnel. Calvin's looking at her confused. He's like, yo, you know, I don't know what that medicine is doing to you, um, but you're not yourself. And that is when Angela says, no, John, you are not yourself. And right before Calvin could finish his line, she smacks him over the head with a hammer. Takes a few splicey chunks out of his... That was some good chunky. Yeah, yeah. Good sound. Yeah. Uh, Good foley. Good foley there. Um, But yeah, she hits him over the head with the hammer. Uh, Then we get this... uh, It's an upward angle of uh, Angela and the hammer as she's like on top of him and she starts to bludgeon his head open. And then... That is when we get the shot of her pulling out the Dr. Manhattan symbol from Calvin's skull. And um, a blue light shines upon her face. Um, and I think her last line is, hey, baby, we are in trouble. And that is uh, that is the end of the episode with the big reveal that Mr. Calvin is a vessel for uh, Dr. Manhattan himself, the perfect husband. Is Calvin the first death, technically? Hmm? Is Calvin the first death, technically? Um, I might be wrong. Of the show? Like, of the main people. Of the main cast? I think so. Yeah, I mean, besides Judd. Yeah, I mean, Judd. I I think so. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I guess I was thinking since the first episode, they haven't killed anyone. No, totally. Um, And this, I I think that reveal right there um, is essentially why I bumped up my rating for the episode because before then I was going to give it a oh, solid that, seven. Oh, I got a six. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because I mean, it was it was, a, it was a good looking episode. Didn't have too many expositional dumps, uh, but you know, again, this is a high rating bar. I mean, shit. If for our average show, this would have been a, a, a top tier episode. But yeah, this isn't an Calvin average called show. it a feel good episode. I would agree with that. I could agree with that as well. It was like getting making you feel all right. Yeah. Last totally. one was dark. I think they had to come off with a feel-good episode. Most definitely. Last one was very heavy, um, you know, and led to a lot of feelings. And here's something that I just want to, I guess, make comment of. Like, the only time... So, 
online, the biggest press buzz that The Watchmen has gotten is episode one and episode six, which is great. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. But it's also, you know, those those... Those articles, those online think pieces that us millennials think are so important, um, you know, they, they take away from this overall story and cohesiveness of, like, writing nine episodes. I think that, like, people's idea of this show stem from those think pieces that highlight the more racial more racially charged end of the television show, which is a it's a huge part of the television show, but it's also contained in a lore. Yeah, and also I think that I mean that I think could help like would be like that could like ruin the ratings too. You no, know, if that's you read something, if I read something that was just like race, 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 it's like yeah, I might not want to watch it because it's like that could just be a fucking a foof piece. Totally, and <clears throat> you um, there is. You know, I, I just as a society, I think we all know um, that great portions of the society don't um, want to talk race, especially in these times. Um, and I think it's a shame that I, you know, from what I believe that you know the 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 masses are only receiving information about those two episodes because they are, you know, the more racially charged episodes, and it's like. I mean, hell, as a black person in the room, I fucking love those episodes, but I would also not write a think piece by leaving out. that around as, like, a a banner. Yeah, 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 without writing so much about the series and the comics, because I've read one or two of the think pieces. Um, They also go to, like, they also go too deep into, like, Oh, they show him being hung first person. Not that like the whole story addresses these racial issues in a much more like realistic way in other moments. I think some of the highlights of the show's race addressing isn't those moments. Yes. Yeah. I think those are like excellent shots, but they are totally not the highlight of the episodes themselves. Um, And they're not completely what the story is about. Of course, they're drawing from real life situations and I think the best part of the show is them addressing and showing light to these real world things that I believe that most uh, most millennials um, do not know because it's not taught mm-hmm. um, and you know we're, we're not old enough to experience them. I believe that black people in this country know a great number of these. So I'm I'm really happy that they're exposing it to the masses, but I think that the promotional matter just being on that has possibly affected the ratings. Off thought as a as a black person, how much education do you think? How educated do you think the black community is on black history? Do you think there's a gap there that needs to be filled too? I think that for those of us who um, are privileged to have older members of the family uh, still around and kicking. I think that this these things presented in the show were more like a refresher. Um, 
because uh, I like uh, the majority of everything that I know that has been shown in this was told to me by my grandmother mm-hmm. or by you know my mother after she talked to her mother or my grandfather and you know that older generation. Um, but for the black families who do not have kind of like the elder members uh, around anymore, they're not in contact with their family. I do believe that they don't know about these because they're in the education system just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And no school uh, is ta- are talking about these, you know, issues. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do believe that, like, you know, there is education given on both sides. Um, but the, 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 the showboating of those issues to all sides may turn off a great number of people. Yeah. I just read a story recently about, um, I can't remember the kid's name, but he was the youngest execution in the United States. It was a 12-year-old black kid, I think, from one of those states um, who was accused of killing two 8-year-old white kids and was sentenced to the electric chair. was like an 8-year-old kid. Um, I thought that was pretty crazy. That was like, I like was reading about that the other day. Hell yeah! Um, but it's like shit like that. Like that—that's powerful shit to me. Most definitely. Like you don't think like I don't know. No, it's just—it's nothing that is brought to light. Um, you know, and, and then like in 2016 or something, they like acquitted him. It's like fuck you. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's totally one of the southern states. You know, doing you know systematic racism shit, and it's they're definitely bringing a great light to that. Um, but I believe that the promotional department needs to stop leaning on that mm-hmm. and just have that be a part of the story like everything else is. Um, though that one is it's the most real and it's the most uncomfortable. Dig, in, dig into that pilot. I thought that was like our biggest compliment of the pilot was like it was so gracefully handled. Yes. And things like that. To- totally. Um, yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame that the uh, the ratings are down because this is. I mean, hell, this is a great show, man. I think this is one of the more stimulate. I mean, like our podcast at, for the followers has grown from about fifty minutes to an hour and a half every episode. We're at an hour twenty right now. Wow. You know, and it's like, I mean, it's got me thinking. Totally. You're not. The, I mean, we're pretty hip guy. I mean, it's not like me and you don't have these. I'm glad this is that show. I'm glad this show's the way it is, is because of our like our dynamic. Anyway, it allows like a great, a lot of great conversation that like. Would it happen if I was sitting here with like some like you know totally someone else? I guess right. But, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it, it's yeah. It's a great show for us to do to do our first podcast on. Um, and it's I mean it's just a, it's I feel like a I'm hell of a chomping show. at like meat on a bone when I talk about this show, which it's like I just want to see that. I'm like I'm more not thinking about I'm not even trying to blame I'm like getting deep into the like what's are these human like flaw like psycho it's like human psychology man it's just so fucking interesting it's totally. so flawed and it's so we're so primal it's like racism always will always exist in a weird way in my opinion because of that primal nature of grouping and it's like it's a, just an obvious thing to group against um it's just I don't know I'm, I'm yeah. curious to see like. We've made our advancements and stuff, but it's like because I was thinking a lot yesterday about I don't remember what about not the show, but it's just like it's like when when shit gets going too good or people get their ass against the wall, it's like we always turn back to like these like primordial bullshit ways of thinking, right? And it's not even just racism or anything. It's just like even ourselves as humans, it's like when shit's when shit's going bad, we're we're prone to like whine and complain about it, and like I don't know. 
it's just like it, it, it's interesting how the society like follows in line with that sometimes you know it's like you see these per- these peaks in it and then these like valleys yeah 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 constantly going up and down as, as much as we think that we've moved moved forward there's always that turnaround point where it's like really we're still we're still doing that you know what i mean like we're still in that mindset it's it's interesting it was why it's so easy to go back to that I think all of us can fall into it too. I don't think like any of us are like that above it. I think your awareness is what keeps you above it, Most definitely. and knowing you're full of shit. But it's like, yeah. And I think um, you know, two uh, there's two ends of that, uh, you know, kind of exploration. You know, there's shows like this that make you sit down and really think about you know American history, and you know, I think in the file. Uh, that one line that I think you gave last week of like PD, uh, it's saying that, you know, the greatest historical inaccuracy, it's, you know, America itself. And, you know, lines like that really stick with you and they make you think. And there's, you know, they're the hard thought points on one end of the spectrum. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have, um, you know, just because I was watching it this morning, you have South Park, which uh, just did an episode of um, uh, this family called like the Whites. And their son gets killed by the cop. And uh, yeah. I think his name's like Jason White. And his father is like Gerald White. And, you know, his father's at the funeral and he's saying, you know, my son got killed by cops. No one kills. No one cares when the whites get killed by cops. And like they all they bring up these funny situations, but in a more satirical comedy view. And I think that like both are important for people to like advance and you know, to move away from those like primal thoughts, you got to look at how silly it is on one end to have such primal thoughts. And then on the other end, you have to look at how those thoughts really danger and have killed thousands of millions of fucking people. It all really stems like, I think it all just stems back to, to our, like our own insecurities, which is why these like things flare up. Cause like the funny thing with the whites episode is like, that's like the attitude now is like, well, why should I not have, my day totally it's and it's like it's hard it's just hard for us as people to be like well your people have had your day you know it's like it's it's just like i look at everything as like a shift in a shift of energy mm. you know it's like we're gonna live in times that are good and times that are bad and times where these people are on top and times where these people are on top and stuff like that it's just kind of kind of be this shift always and it's just about be thinking about the bigger picture which like i didn't say this in the beginning in the beginning of like well i don't remember what led us to this but i was thinking when you're oh is the writing there's no patience anymore and that's a big thing like i i tell everyone now i think we're living in the time of the biggest change totally but it's just like everyone wants to sit at the finish line not run the race you know and it's like arts being you know even like this show it's like i don't think this show would have got written the same way 10 years ago no, I don't think they. I think they would have. And if went it did, way, it wouldn't have been on the network. No, and it would have went way heavier into the comics. You know, who knows if they would have cast it so much with like African Americans? You know, it's like who knows? No, totally. So it's like the time is here. Like we said with that girl in the beginning, the time is here. It's just like it, being patient about it, and that comes back even into the writing. Is like people are just impatient in general. It's like people don't want to sit and let a nine episode show play out. Yeah, they want to judge everything by these micro moments of like oh. They did a really racially charged episode. I'm going to tune in. Oh, this next episode. You know, it's like, it's this moment to moment to moment thing. And I think that essentially detaches us from the bigger picture, which I think is the psychological thing I'm going at of like everything that's going wrong is like, there has to be this sense of the bigger picture, which requires patience, which requires discipline, which requires action. You know, it's like kind of this balancing act of all these different things at once. Totally. 
Totally. Deep. Good thoughts. Good thoughts. Good thoughts. Hell yeah. yeah. Well, episode seven. Episode seven. So thank you guys for tuning in. Yeah. Um, as always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at All Along the Watchmen Podcast. All Along the Watchmen Podcast or All Along the Watchmen? Uh, just All Along the Watchmen, I believe. I, the, our email is All Along the Watchmen Podcast yeah. at Gmail. Regular things All Along the Watchmen. Um, yeah, we got two more episodes. We got two, three more Pedipedias. Yep, yeah. Pedipedia uh, coming up next. Uh, listen to it at your convenience. Um, yeah, this is a long one. I don't know if it's the longest one, but it was long. <laughs> I, I noticed in the description uh, on the, the last episode, you're like, the longest episode yet. In <laughs> parentheses, I know I've been saying that a lot. <laughs> we begin longer and longer, though. No, that's good. I mean, yeah. we're getting comfortable behind the mic. I hope everyone's totally. sticking in till the end. Totally. Um, I know the, yeah. the structure's a little unusual sometimes, but... Thank you guys uh, for listening yeah. in, and uh, yeah, we'll get that PDPD suit. Pedipedia to you uh, soon. I'm Litho Freeman. And I'm Anthony Trevolante. And we'll talk to you later. All Alone the Watchman Podcast. Who makes the world? Perhaps the world is not made. Perhaps nothing is made. Perhaps it simply is, has been, will always be there. A clock without a craftsman. 